Welcome everyone to Counter Hegemony. My name is Aaron Taus. Colombia has been rocked by a bloody armed conflict for more than six decades. The overwhelming majority of the more than nine million victims are poor peasants. So Colombia's rural areas have always been the principal battlegrounds of the ongoing war. Historically, the political conflict dynamics in the countryside have been closely related to the development and the expansion of capitalism. To find out more about Colombia's peasants and their struggles under neoliberalism, I spoke with Nasir Ishani, professor of political science at Keene University. He's the author of Systems of Violence to Political Economy of War and Peace in Colombia. Professor Ishani has a new book coming out in August titled Colombian Peasants in the Neoliberal Age. The book is of particular interest in light of Colombia's current political context. For the first time, the country has a leftist government. President Gustavo Petro is a former guerrilla fighter and his vice president, Francia Marquez, an Afro-Colombian feminist and environmental activist. I started the interview by asking Professor Ricciani why studying Colombia's peasants and their struggles is key for understanding the dynamics of the country's armed conflict. One of the uh, key outcomes of my research in Colombia since 1995, uh, when I started uh, in Colombia doing research as a, as a Fulbright scholar, and um, was uh, when we study uh, civil wars uh, from a political e economic perspective, then you have to understand the, 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 the nature of the, uh, uh, the classes involved in the, in the, in the war, in the social classes. And of course, in the, in the, in the Colombian case, as in other cases in the world, the peasantry in the, uh, plays a very important role uh, in the in, in, in conflict. Um, and uh, in the context of Africa, as well as in the Middle East and elsewhere, uh, in different forms, the the uh, of shapes, the peasantry and the uh, rural areas are not only the battleground of civil wars, but also where the uh, the, the local peasant communities are actively involved in, in civil conflict and civil wars, and. Um, and, and when you look further into that question of class analysis, you find that this, the focal point is the conflict or the struggle over land, on land access. That's the key point. So the, the, the key point is how the dispossession uh, and appropriation of land is taking place by um, by speculators, multinational, and, uh, and and a large landowner, and how uh, this process of creeping capitalism uh, into the rural areas, uh, it is the point of departure of, of many conflicts in the past and in the present in the world. So the, the, the whole thing revolves around access to land. And then emphasize this access to land. In his upcoming book, Professor Ishani tries to explain the link between Colombia's peasants and neoliberal capitalism. 
So I ask him how he approaches this relationship from a theoretical point of view. The, this book, uh, in uh, forthcoming book, it addresses this question and uh, brings um, uh, into the into the uh, a broader theoretical question, uh, which I, 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 which in fact builds some on Marxist theory, specifically. Uh, the theory that uh, the components of the theory that Marx developed, which is the uh, capital subsumption, and, uh, how capitalism spreads to the rural areas, subsuming, uh, subsuming formally or really the the pre-capitalist um, relations. So it is a long, of course, Marx looking at the rural question in England, he was exploring this process, this uh, process of subsumption. How does it take place? How capitalism gradually incorporates uh, the, the, old, the old social structures or social relations into uh, to capitalism, but not all. So even even in Marx's time, uh, he was keen about uh, the, even in England, uh, he identified the fact that this doesn't happen uniformly or homogeneously, uh, but rather heterogeneously. And therefore, he identified the contradictions in this process, even in England itself, uh, his basic subject. But Marxist uh, misinterpreted Marx. And um, and they, they started following a developmental developmentalist approach, uh, similar to the one of the mainstream academia, uh, i.e., that there is a unilinear capital development from capitalism, from feudalism to capitalism, and then from that to hypothetically to socialism. But this is not how it, it was really theorized by Marx himself. He, he, uh, there is no unilinearity in terms of development. There is a complexity in terms of the development, um, uh, and, and, and much more complex than theorized by, presumably by Marxists or some major trends in Marxism. The concepts of real and formal subsumption developed by Marx are, however, not the only theoretical building blocks of the book. Professor Ishani has also been drawing on the works of Rosa Luxemburg, in particular on a theory of capitalist expansion. Another important uh, element which built on the theory of subsumption was developed and, uh, and, and, and uh, quite developed by Rosa Luxemburg. Uh, and, and Rosa Luxemburg, uh, I look also on the, this issue of subsumption and the, the importance of this process of subsumption to the continuation of the process of accumulation and solving the, the issues or the basic problem of capitalism, i.e., the, uh, the, the issue of. Uh, of, of, of over accumulation. 
and expansionism. So therefore, because by expansion, by expansion, capitalism is capable of resolving its inner, or not only resolving, but mitigating the, the inner contradictions of capital itself by expanding. Uh, expanding meaning uh, colonizing more territory and, and colonizing more people in more areas. So this is where colonialism and imperialism comes into play. That is, a capitalism could not uh, uh, grow only within its, be confined, uh, especially within its national boundaries, but rather it is a continuous project of uh, colonization and imperialism. And, uh, <clears throat> but also Rosa Luxemburg acknowledged another component related to this process. That is, capitalism, again, uh, doesn't necessarily uh, <clears throat> dismantle all pre-capitalist relations. It does not do that. And the reason why it doesn't do that it is because the process sometimes of capitalist expansion does not require the dismantling of these relationships. But taking from it what is needed for the capital accumulation process. So therefore, there is a, it's a peculiar mechanism of, of, of absorption, if you wish, but doesn't dismantle all of it. And because it might need, um, there is no need to dismantle it. It's not conscious. There is no element of agency, it's rather dialectical process. So therefore, it manages in many aspects to uh, coexist with it and takes from it or absorbs from the pre-capitalist what is needed for the capital accumulation. And in order for me to look at this process, I had to look at it empirically on the ground. And that's what brings me to the colonial case. So in other words, um, this is theory, right? But uh, at the empirical level, I had to zero in to see how this dynamic process of subsumption takes place concretely and specifically. Uh, and that's why I studied a number of uh, communities, present communities in Colombia, and in order to bring the reader more in uh, uh, the relevance of the theory itself of subsumption. Uh, and its validity in the 21st century, and how does it really empirically applies uh, in a very concrete way on specific cases, uh, and that, that's what the function of the book is all about, is to bring the theoretical component, build on it, develops it, i.e. the, the, the substantial component, and, and tie it in with the specific cases in the in the Colombian field. Professor Rishani's book, however, not only analyzes the structural dynamics of capitalism, it also puts a strong emphasis on agency and political action. In the Colombian case, Professor Rishani has studied the peasants' adaptive strategies and their resistance to the dynamics of neoliberal capitalism. In a way, the book uh, comes with, uh, with a, its own contribution in terms of what keeps peasantry alive 
in the 21st century, which is again, <clears throat> uh, which is against the wishes or even the wishful thinking or even the, the theories of the developmentalist uh, approaches developed by mainstream academia or some variants of Marxist theories that claim that uh, everything is heading towards uh, capitalism and, uh, and the pre-capitalist or, or simple commodity production will disappear in, the, in, the, in this motion. But it's uh, 200 years later and we still have presently and present communities and, uh, and uh, thriving and developing and uh, adjusting adapting and resisting. So therefore I developed the notion of um, adaptation um, and, uh, and adaptation and resistance and coexistence maybe, maybe are three major maybe uh, components that could explain to the, the continuity of present community of uh, present communities globally, including in Europe. So that's why we do have communities in Europe. The communal life uh, happening uh, and, and, and presently still exists in the heart of Europe. So you may as well argue in Europe, we still have this, this phenomenon. Therefore, of course, that means that we, we are in, in Asia and, 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 and Africa and, and the Middle East and and Latin America, we have maybe another 100 years or 200 years, presence will continue to be part of the political economy or this landscape of the political uh, global economy. So, and, uh, and mind you, which is again, that gives you a perspective, the present or smallest present production, uh, according to the United Nations, the file, it's claiming that uh, small peasants of the world today contribute around between 35 to 40 percent of the food necessities of the world. So therefore, and this is subsistence farm. So, so when we say subsistence, it means they only produce to feed themselves, but also the excess production, they can sell it in the market. So therefore, these small producers are still feeding, I mean, or at least percentage-wise, feeding a good chunk of the global population. So uh, that makes it the relevance of the peasantry today in the 21st century uh, more relevant than ever. And that acquires even more relevance when we explore that within that the peasantry for the most part they, they apply uh, Sustainable development, conserve the environment, and therefore mitigate the effects of um, climate warming. So that it makes makes the present year uh, a leading force in fighting climate change. Therefore, in, in many ways, the, the present year uh, becomes uh, at the forefront of the of this fight against global warming. As I mentioned in the introduction, for the first time in its history, Colombia has a leftist government. So I asked Professor Rishani if the situation for Colombia's peasantry has improved under the Petro government, and if his administration offers an exceptional opportunity 
for radical policy change to the benefit of small-scale peasants. It's looking, uh, it's looking better than before. Uh, I must tell you that uh, because uh, because the the new government of Colombia, the Petro government, as a progressive uh, new government, is uh, finally recognizing the. We have a government recognizing the importance of the peasantry uh, in, the, in Colombia and the importance of the peasantry in resolving the uh, the the endurance of the uh, different types of violences that have engulfed uh, the rural peripheral areas of Colombia for the, since the 19th century. So in other words, um, because pacifying the rural areas uh, it requires addressing the, the, the grievances of the peasantry. So the entry point of the federal government was to, first and foremost <coughs> recognizing the peasantry as a, as a judicial personal a social group and therefore that passed in the congress uh, i think it's amendment uh, amending the article if i'm not mistaken it's article 94 or 64 one second double check of the constitution recognizing the peasantry as uh, uh, as, 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 as a group that uh, merits the uh, pro state protection like any other uh, a group of social class. So in, in essence, this uh, will compel the state not only recognizing the peasantry, but also uh, developing policies to protection of the peasantry. And this brings me to the second point, uh, that is the protection, for instance, now we do have the peasant reserves, peasant reservation uh, reserves in Colombia, and uh, and uh, and uh, calls for the expansion of these reserves. And the reserves, uh, uh, peasant reserves, it means uh, reservas campesinas, it, it merits the protection, the legal protection of the state from the incursion of, of, uh, of outside. Uh, actors, including multinational corporations or, or any agents of capital that tries to uh, penetrate uh, these uh, protected uh, areas, uh, protected lands. <clears throat> so therefore, the peasantry, in a way, it emerges like a quasi, uh, semi, sovereign actor within the these territories, and it is uh, the the peasantry within these zones are calling for more ex to expand the areas of this of the uh, of these uh, of the present reserves nationwide today we have like about seven reserves and may it might reach uh, for instance one million hectares of land uh, and it might increase even further whereby hundreds of thousands of people peasantry are benefiting from in this type of expansion and with Petro's government with the uh, legalizing and and, and, and uh, protecting these and providing them with uh, legal protection it allows us to prosper with uh, uh, 
protecting them a little bit more against the incursion of capital. Uh, capital uh, takes uh, different forms and shapes. Uh, we have the multinational corporations, extractive businesses, speculators, and, and uh, large landowners that all the time they try to, uh, to take away these lands from the peasants. So it is a long, it is, but this, these peasants' communities and the, and their ex, the expansion of their areas of control are, are examples of how complex the process of subsumption is, bringing again the, the notion of the theory and, uh, and, uh, and it provides an answer to why peasant communities are still existing. Because there is a, the agency of resistance. The agency of resistance of local actors, meaning the, the ability to organize and resist the incursion of capital, is a, a basic characteristic of what makes these communities valid and sustainable up to date. So anyway, the element agency. As long as the element of agency exists and the capacity of these groups to organize, and it seems that they have it according to the evidence I provided in the book, um, because their, their, uh, their relationships are, uh, are beyond the national boundaries, and they have expanded their links and connections with multiple peasant organizations globally which allows them some some kind of strategic depth whereby they, they exchange experiences uh, compare notes know-how uh, techniques of ecological uh, cultivation and uh, agroeconomy so all of these things allow peasantry to become politically and uh, and, te and technologically and technically more developed and sophisticated and this allows them to resist even further uh, or enhance their resistance modalities against capitalism. That does it for today. Thanks to Professor Rishani for the interview and to you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. That does